Coming up on Stu Does America, I'd like to ask a huge favor of the country and of New York State specifically. Once we're all out, out of these quarantine boxes and return to normal life, can we keep the Cuomo brothers in their boxes? Just an idea. I really can't look at them anymore, especially the one that is clearly a lizard person. I'll let you decide who that is. Joe Biden's sexual assault allegation continues to gain traction and credibility, and the media continues to bury it as deep as they can. You know this all ends with Chris Cuomo falling on his sword and telling the world he was the one who attacked Tara Reid all along. Then the media celebrates his bravery, and we all move on. And the Supreme Court's first gun case of the year comes and goes with a big fat zilch. We uh, really need to make sure that we circle back on this one when the country isn't ravaged by disease, <laughs> as if that time will ever come. Not sure if you saw last night on this program, but I might have promised to let Sarah Gonzalez cut my hair on the show with a knockoff Floby if we hit 25,000 YouTube subscribers. Kind of wish I had checked uh, the existing subscribers before I made the promise, because we're not that far away. Please tell your friends. Also, catch us for free on Facebook and your favorite podcast platforms. Rate us, review us, it's great, whatever. And after you've done all that, and you've helped Sarah massacre my beautiful doom, as you can see, uh, consider watching us both on Blaze TV. You can get a subscription there. Go to blazetv.com slash stew and use the promo code stew because that's how they know you like this stupid show and I'll knock off 30 bucks. Sure, Texas might be taking steps to ease the quarantine restrictions on crazed citizens, but personally, I'm going the other way. I'm 99% done with the moat around my house and the crocodiles arrive on Thursday. Sorry, I can't make it. Self-quarantined. Stu does America. I just can't take it. It's just not right. We are in the middle of a national crisis, people. I am the person who stupidly said on the air, yes, that I could get to 25,000 YouTube subscribers. I'd let Sarah Gonzalez cut my hair with a knockoff Floby. Okay, on the air. I got it. So I know self-destructive behavior. That's me. It's my middle name. But I simply will not allow our great nation to take a tragedy like this one we're facing and then pile on the additional self-destructive behavior of liking the Cuomo family. No, no. This, my friends, is a step too far. This is my personal jihad or struggle. That's what that word means, by the way. I want these Cuomos to be Cuomo-teamed. Too much to ask? Have them self-isolate in their million-dollar homes and stop making us look at them. Andrew, the governor, started his coronavirus response by assuring the people of New York over and over and over again that they were completely prepared for what was coming. In mid-March, he was still flailing around at press conferences saying things like this. The fear and the hysteria is outpacing the reality of this situation. Oh, is it? I didn't realize that. He was a constant voice telling the very densely populated city, not that they were being too flippant, but that they were being too panicked. This is not Ebola. This is not SARS. This is not some science fiction movie come to life. Uh, you know, the hysteria here is way uh, out of line with the actuality and the facts. He was right. COVID-19 was not Ebola or SARS, especially because more people in his state have died from COVID-19 in the past month and a half than Ebola and SARS have killed in all of human history put together. All this was going on while he felt it appropriate 
to pull a ridiculous stunt featuring hand sanitizers made by inmates, which turned out later on to only be bottled by inmates. This is 75% alcohol. It also has a, comes in a variety of sizes. It has a very nice floral bouquet. A little I detected lilac, hydrangea, tulips. What does it smell like to you? Andrew Cuomo has made me develop a visceral hatred for lilacs. I have become downright anti-lilacian. And it's Andrew's fault. He's overseeing the worst COVID-related disaster on Earth. And the media acts as if he's doing a good job because they mostly live in New York and are obsessed with his press conferences. Well, the fact that he's not, you know, Bill de Blasio can only get you so far. Andrew Cuomo should be on the verge of being thrown out of his house in Albany, not being coronated to go into the White House in Washington. And amazingly, this only makes him the second most annoying Cuomo. Chris Cuomo came down with COVID-19 himself. He then did truly nauseating interviews with his brother and played up the illness so much that some people thought he was faking it. And by some people, I mean all people. I don't know. Maybe I don't know. Maybe he was sick. I'm sure he was sick, but he certainly didn't act like it. After berating the president and the right for being anti-science, he bolted from quarantine and had an altercation with a bicyclist uh, without a mask on. And then he faked his first time emerging from quarantine on what is reportedly a news channel. For doing this, he received no public criticism from his network and continued on going on his ridiculous, ridiculous, nonsensical show, doing his horrible job, including this segment about Dr. Donald Trump's recent press conference. We need the president to be on the same page with science. Doubting the utility of testing, it's just silly. But throwing out the idea of household disinfectant injections and shooting light into the body as a cure for the virus, what? Talk about the cure being worse than a disease. Somebody better take the president's temperature. The bigger question is, why does our president keep throwing out these unproven remedies and continue to downplay the science and scientists who should be guiding us right now? I don't know, Chris. I don't know. Uh, is that really what we need? More advice from people who say true to science. Do you want to take two shots of Windex, swallow this light bulb and call me in the morning? Come on, man. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> Look, the last person you should be getting uh, health advice from is me. But the second to last person you should get health advice from is Donald Trump. Do you remember what Donald Trump ordered for lunch when Clemson came to visit the White House? Nine million pounds of McDonald's, which I fully respected, by the way. I'm not going to defend the president's press conference ramblings, which went over so well, there are no more scheduled press conferences. And I get it. You can say, but he's the president all you want. If you think he should be the one guiding you to figure out what you should be putting into your body, injecting bleach into your veins is probably the least of your health worries. On the other hand, if someone were to advertise to you that they should be the one to guide of what to guide you through what you should be putting in your body, then that person would probably have some real responsibility to 
as Chris Cuomo described it, be on the same page with science. Allow me to introduce you to Purist Magazine, a magazine with the oh-so-helpful mantra, make the things you let into your body, mind and spirit matter. Let the purist be your guide. Hmm. Now let me introduce you to the editor-in-chief of Purist Magazine, Christina Cuomo. Purist is a magazine that is a must-read if you find Gwyneth Paltrow's goop to be a little too focused on the peasants around your feet. Alternatively, if you just think goop has sold out to the medical establishment and has gone too mainstream, Purist is for you. And while you can certainly forgive a little diversion into the world of millionaire pseudoscience to pass those long, breezy afternoons in the Hamptons, the fact is that Purist is actually giving recommendations for treatment of COVID-19. That's a little disturbing. The treatments, her word, not mine, involved a broth of cayenne pepper, ginger and garlic, or the lemon and ginger tea, or vitamin C. She later admits that there's no actual treatment for COVID-19 and later adds a name of a doctor that she said helped her and her husband, Chris Cuomo, on a path of natural remedies to strengthen his immune system. The doctor advising and treating the guy, telling us the importance of being on the same page with science, is Dr. Linda, Linda Lancaster, founder of the Light Harmonics Institute, a legitimately sweet-seeming woman who is a naturopathic doctor, a doctor so legitimate they are recognized by almost half the states in the union. Pretty great. Oddly enough, New York is not one of those states, which is weird. Anywho, here's uh, Dr. Lancaster describing how we recover from illness. Hint, it ain't medication. The body has an innate ability to heal itself. We were born with this vital force that knows how to heal us. What interferes or what causes illness? Mm, I have to admit, kind of a great question. What causes illness? I mean, I'd answer maybe bacteria or a virus, but I am not a doctor like this doctor. So let's see what she says. For me, it's been evaluating the electromagnetic energy of the cells Uh to see whether they're in a coherent flow. Oh, that was my next guess. I knew it. She continues. Each cell in our body has a positive and a negative flow. And the the balance of the positive and negative is the integrity of each cell. This flow of energy is etheric energy because ether is in all of space. So, so, so these important medical insights were implemented uh, on the Cuomo family with miracle results. There were some rough patches like when Chris's fever had a spike. A uh, fever of 99 with an afternoon spike to 101.5. An evening spike aggravated by the full moon. Because the full moon is what controls your temperature. But soon enough, everything would calm down as they listed treatments for respiratory response. Like a droplet of magical potion derived from passionflower, olive leaf, and andrographis, or whatever, which is known as the Indian Echinacea 
One thing is for sure, you always have to import your echinacea. Used to get mine in Wuhan. It's all dried up now. She goes on to recommend bleach baths, but only with a quarter to a half cup of bleach in a full tub of 80 gallons, which is a big freaking tub. The normal bath uses about 30 gallons, so make sure to get those ratios right. Look, I don't have anything against Christina Cuomo. She seems like she's legitimately into this stuff and she cares about her family, and that's great. She is running a site that is pushing a lot of BS cures and pseudoscientific nonsense, in my illustrious opinion. But even that, I'm not all that bothered with, frankly. What I'm bothered with is Chris. Here is a guy who is trampling best scientific practices in his personal life and then going on TV and criticizing others for the same thing. He's not responsible for his wife's nutty magazine, but he is actually being treated with this crap. Someone should ask him, someone somewhere should ask him, should, you know, part of Trump's response have been the building up our nation's supply of body chargers? Because whatever a body charger is, was apparently part of his family's regimen that cured his COVID-19. No word if they were able to implement this solution to flu viruses and other illnesses proposed by their doctor last year. Look, we always have ups and downs. This goes with the flow of being on planet Earth. There's flus, there's chemicals in the air. Walking on the streets of Manhattan, you're going to be filled with petrochemicals. Mm, so, so, we understand it's more important to be aware of these things so we can start to balance it. I could be in the middle of New York City, but I'll find a park that I can grab a tree, hold on to the tree to ground myself. And I do that at least whenever I can. Nature heals. Nature heals, everybody. The doctor is literally telling us to hug a tree to cure ourselves. Hmm. And Chris Cuomo has the balls to criticize somebody else's crazy health ideas. It's a bit disturbing, not to me but more to Chris Cuomo's astro body. We have an astro body. Our astral body is our emotional body. It is how we relate to the world. It is our connection to the stars. We have an astral body that interpenetrates with the etheric force field of the life force of our body. Mm-hmm, that's right. Astro body. You obviously knew that, right? <sighs> Look, <laughs> it's not the natural healing that's the problem. Although there is a lot of it that most certainly is a problem. It's actually the hypocrisy that is the real problem here. It's the lying that is the problem. It's the Chris and Andrew Cuomo's that are the problem. <laughs> Please put them in Cuomo team. One thing is for sure, your astro body will love Black Rifle Coffee Company. I don't know. I mean, it is the best. Uh, we just got our, our latest shipment in uh, yesterday. My wife is raving over this coffee. I've become a hero of the household. 
And you know what? When you're doing uh, business with Black Rifle Coffee, you can feel good about working with a veteran-owned and operated premium small-batch roast-to-order coffee company. And this is the thing. You know it's going to be really good. You know it's going to be good because it's the highest quality beans from around the world. They roast their coffees to order, so it's super, super fresh. You've probably been, uh, you know, drinking old-timey, like, stale coffee this whole time and didn't even realize it. All Black Rifle Coffee Company blends are available in whole bean and ground varieties. Uh, they also have the uh, single-serve coffee rounds if you happen to be mega lazy like yours truly. Uh, best way to enjoy Black uh, Rifle Coffee is with the Black Rifle Coffee Club. Now, you choose the amount and the blends that you want, and Black Rifle Coffee discounts the price, and they ship it directly to your home or your office completely free. If it's going to your office, uh, I, hope, I hope you're there to get it because there could be a giant pile of Black Rifle Coffee when you go back to work. BlackRifleCoffee.com slash stew is the place to go. Make sure to go to uh, BlackRifleCoffee.com slash stew and enter the discount, co discount code stew uh, for 20% off your first order of any coffee products. It's BlackRifleCoffee.com slash stew. Make sure to use the promo code stew because that's how they know you like this stupid show. Plus 20% off. Back in a second. The sexual assault allegation against Joe Biden seems to be gaining credibility as more and more witnesses come forward to corroborate Tara Reid's story regarding the former vice president. I mean, even freaking Melissa Milano has changed her tune and is now keeping an open mind now. Who knew it was possible? Uh, but I bet you aren't seeing a lot of the you know sort of lower third banners on CNN about that story, are you? Uh, here with all the latest is senior editor Reason, as well as the author of Panic Attack, Young Radicals in the Age of Trump. It's Robbie Suave. Uh, Robbie, I, you know, as I start these stories, I, number one, I think anyone who makes an accusation like this should be taken seriously. Uh, number two, we have a standard of innocent until proven guilty that while is a legal standard, I still try to apply uh, as much as possible. And I think there's an additional sort of douse, a, a dash of skepticism when it's a, a, an important public figure where there might be some reason that an accusation like this might go public. This one, however, seems to have um, a decent amount of increasing uh, circumstantial evidence that at least something happened. Am I thinking about that correctly? Yeah, that's how I've been thinking about it as well. Uh, I think definitely some of the information that has come to light um, just in the past few days, I think really the past two or three days, uh, has actually been some of the most powerful evidence on her side, uh, which is that there is this uh, tape of her mother calling into Larry King Live in 1993, saying that, that her daughter had a bad experience um, in while working for Senator Biden's office. Does not specifically mention assault, does uh, strengthen the kind of general office place harassment claim. And then much more importantly, very significantly, a friend of Tara Reid, a former neighbor, says that um, she remembers Tara Reid telling her about this um, in 1995 and specifically referencing the assault, telling a, a very close to the story we are we are hearing now, which is really important because probably the biggest issue in believing Tara Reid has been that the story evolved over time. The version of it she told to the Washington Post just a year ago uh, was about harassment and actually seemed to kind of acquit Biden of, of involvement in the bad uh, the bad goings on in the office. So it was like, well, now she's made this much more serious allegation. But actually, this shows that she had made this this uh, the assault 
part of it um, decades ago. Yeah, and it's really uh, it's interesting because I think the the con- contemporaneous accounts um, standard here of evidence is is an interesting one because it's kind of in between proof and lack of proof, right? Like you can't say that someone telling the story um, years and years ago proves that something went on. But it's pretty it's, it's certainly more substantial than anything that I remember from the Brett Kavanaugh accusations uh, that happened when he was trying to go to the Supreme Court. Uh, the fact that there are now multiple people willing to stand up and say, yes, she told me about this at the time. How much how much should we uh, how much should we take out of that? Right. I mean, look, this is a difficult thing. This is a thing that happened a long time ago. Oh, and it's frankly challenging to, to try to put a percentage on it. How, how likely is it that this happened the way she described? Um, it, this is challenging. There is no real there's really not a standard for deciding, you know, in the court of public opinion. Right. There is a standard in the legal sense. But in the court of the public opinion, what to make of this? The only thing we can do is really compare it to how previous things were handled in the court of a public opinion by the people writing and considering them. I mean, by the Kavanaugh standard, my goodness, <laughs> there is, I mean, the essentially the, the, the smoking gun <laughs> evidence that they never found. Uh, I mean, that's, what the, that's what, the, what the commentators would have been saying about this friend of Reed, the mother's call, if, if the political consideration would have been slightly different. Um, you know, I mean, the journalists were saying were were, were interviewing, uh, were talking about Blasey Ford, Deborah Ramirez, Julie Swetnick, um, E. Jean Carroll. If you want to go with the Trump accusations, you know, she was on television the same night that she was making her accusation against Donald Trump. Um, the media is taking this one much more cautiously, <laughs> and I'm I, I don't know that that's wrong. But it's different. It's definitely different. And that's the part of it that bothers. I like that way of framing it. it they're, they're taking it much more cautiously. That's very kind of you to uh, to say it that way. Uh, it, it really is amazing because I, you know, I've, I've said this uh, before. At times, I think conservatives in particular are reflexively so anti-media that they never believe anything that comes out of the, you know it comes out of the pages of the New York Times or that CNN can never have a good reporter that does anything right. And I a lot of times will make the case to my conservative friends that like look, you know, you ha- there's good and there's bad and it's worth trying to decipher. I it's almost impossible for me to make that case right now because of the way they are acting with stories like this. The fact that CNN is not is not leading this. Why is another publication finding the audio of the mom calling into Larry King live? This is their network's show. And other reporters are doing this work. People on the Internet are doing this work. And CNN is doing everything they can to avoid it. They started this this last uh, story about the um, about the call to Larry King with Joe Biden's accuser says blah, 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 blah. And I thought to myself, if you watch CNN, how do you even know he has an accuser? They've never mentioned it. The media double standard right now is it's infuriating. Yeah, I mean, it's bad even. And so I agree with everything you just said. You know, I talk a lot about media double standards. I think they exist. I try to hold the media accountable. That doesn't mean I think the the media should always or even in the majority of cases be dismissed. The kind of the front page reporting on The New York Times uh, website is generally pretty good, actually. Um, 
That said, I mean, and, and, you know, some of the reporting on this issue has been very good. But why is why is Anderson Cooper and Chuck Todd not asking Joe Biden about this when he's interviewed by them, as he has been in recent weeks since the the accusation came to light? Um, actually, and I, I, I mean, I Frank and I'm, the, you know, I'm, I'm not someone to make this accusation in any knee jerk kind of way. But isn't it a little weird and almost like sexist that Amy Klobuchar and Christian Gillibrand and I think Gretchen Whitmer was asked about this, the kind of the VP uh, potential mm. women uh, for the Democratic nominee. They've been asked this by, uh, by I, I watched MSNBC asked it of, uh, of Amy Klobuchar. Right. And it's like, well, why are, why do they have to answer for for what is a Biden issue that that? That seemed really odd to me and actually something that would that, again, in, in a different circumstance that this many people in the media would would frown at as really like unfair and kind of a double standard. I mean, there's so many double standards <laughs> at play here. It's really kind of staggering, really, really, really awful. I, and that's a great point. I, I didn't even I didn't even put that together with with the VP candidates. I mean, I think we did that. We had a graphic yesterday. It's been 32 days since this accusation came out. I think so. It'd be 33 today. He, Joe Biden has still not been asked about it, despite dozens of interviews. Um, so I think the double standard is pretty well established here. One thing, when, whenever I have a double standard, I like to step back for a second and ask myself the question, which standard is correct? And if, if one of them is. Um, in this one, to me, I think the Joe Biden approach here is at least closer to correct uh, than the Kavanaugh one. But even the Biden one, it's been, it's been so, there's been such a lack of curiosity. I can't endorse that standard either. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I think it's closer to being handled right in this case, but it just makes it look so irresponsible. I mean, particularly how Kavanaugh was handled, right? You had, you know, you have people saying that Blasey Ford, she's a hero for her brave testimony. Those same exact commentators, the, the head, when the headlines on their articles were hero, are now, they're now phrasing it. Michelle Goldberg did this. Ruth Marcus did this. These are New York Times, Washington Post people. What to make of this accusation? <laughs> Something like that. Like it's an inconvenience to be dealt with. Um, and by the way, it's sort of most importantly, not to get lost in the fog of sort of media criticism, but Joe Biden himself has said he could not be more clear that we should instinctively believe all accusations of sexual assault when they are made. No matter how long ago they've been, we will believe survivors. It doesn't matter if they've changed their stories. It doesn't matter if it took them a long time. We should, our default should be to believe. I think that standard is nonsense. It's just impractical. It, it's 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 right to be abused and weaponized as perhaps it is being in this case. Yeah. And uh, and and it matters that 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 was you know the man who aspires to be president of the United States thinks that's how like not just the court of public opinion but campus sexual misconduct tribunals, which I write a lot about, mm -hmm. and Joe Biden led the Obama administration effort to make them just woefully less fair to the accused. So I think it's. It's right to call out Joe Biden on this. Should he be held to the standard that he vociferously? It's like it's not he, he was he was known for this standard. Um, should he be held to that? That is a question. I, I would almost want him to be asked that question more than about the underlying allegation, which I'm sure he's just going to deny anyway. Does this make him revisit his his believe all victims ideology? Uh, I would love to see that that happen. And, I, you know, I, I it's it's a tough one to deal with because. Part of me as a person who 
thought the Kavanaugh thing was really unfair and has seen many of these things go down this road uh, of, 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 of unfair treatment. You've mentioned so many of them uh, in college and you've written so, you know, so well about you've covered a ton of those. Um, and that's really been, I think, the wrong way to do it. Part of me, of course, just I, I want to rub his standard in his face. I want him to live by his standards. I want him to live in the world he created. The other part of me, though, you know, it's not right. You know, the fact that it's not the right standard and, you know, he should have to answer for that standard, but it shouldn't actually be applied to him. Um, am I just being squishy? I don't even know where I am anymore on this. No, I mean, that, you know, that's that's virtually my opinion on it. Even this I should point out this neighbor who has come forward to offer by far the most powerful evidence on behalf of Tara Reid. Mm -hmm. And she said that and she says, I believe Tara Reid and this is terrible. She said, I'm voting for Biden anyway. I'm a Democrat. <laughs> I support him. I don't want Trump to be president. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, that's the that's the she found a way to I, I wouldn't call her a squish on this or anything. No, um, she, she's think, got some uh, serious loyalty Biden, there. I, you got to be impressed by the loyalty of someone. I'd be like, yeah, you know, I think he is. He may very well be a rapist, but, you know, he's got my vote. <laughs> I mean, that is a that's a hell of a standard there. Yeah. And it's going to be, at the end of the day, it's going to be something I guess voters have to decide, um, you know, based on the evidence we have now at this point. I certainly want to hear from Biden about it. I don't know if I were a Biden supporter. I don't know that this would be enough to make me decide that, you know, this thing that happened decades ago that I definitively think it happened and that he can't be president because of that. I like I don't blame I'm not going to blame people at all if they say I, maybe it is. And I don't mean her any malice, but there isn't enough to revisit this from so long ago, I think. Uh, having a kind of de facto statue of limitations for even for in the kind of court of public opinions is not a crazy thing to happen. Now, more evidence could emerge. Maybe the media could the the journalists could uncover some if they were a little more interested, <laughs> if they were as interested in this story as they were in uh, in 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 the stories when they were a, a, a thorn in in Brett Kavanaugh's side. Yeah. And I, look, I, I think it's absolutely fine if you don't believe the accusation to go vote for somebody. It's weird to vote for them if you do believe the accusation. That's a whole nother world I'm not familiar with. Robbie Suave, a uh, senior editor at Reason, uh, as well as the author of Panic Attack, Young Radicals in the Age of Trump. Thanks for coming on the program. Right. My pleasure. Back in a second. One of the many important facets of American life that we're all forgetting about during quarantine is our right to bear arms. Still exists as a constitutional right. Fun fact. Second Amendment is one of the most fundamental rights created to us by the, Supreme, uh, by the, uh, by the Constitution, of course. And actually, I mean, it comes from God here. Uh, but the Supreme Court uh, recently took up its first Second Amendment case of the year in New York. Their decision may not have been what you expected. Here to tell us more is conservative commentator and syndicated columnist Josh Hammer. Josh, how's the quarantine going for you? You know, Stu, it could be going worse, but uh, thank God for Texas, man. God bless our governor here getting us off our bus this Friday. I, I can't wait to go to the restaurant and frankly, just get a haircut, honestly. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. I'm in, a, I'm in a very, very bad place with a haircut. Let's get back to that here in a second. I want to start with the, uh, the, with the Supreme Court situation. I know I, I haven't followed this one all that closely, but I know when I look at the end uh, game and Gorsuch and Thomas and Alito are the three on the losing side. This one probably didn't turn out all that well. 
Yeah, no bueno uh, is the uh, two-word summary here, I guess. So this, in my estimation, should have been the first Second Amendment case to reach the Supreme Court since McDonald versus City of Chicago, which was 10 years ago already in 2010. And a lot of signs were pointing towards that. But what happened here is by a 6-3 count, the justices refused to hear the case. Um, they essentially let the Second Court of Second Circuit Court of Appeals ruling stand. Um, the reason they did so is less so on the Second Amendment merits and more so on kind of the arcane legal procedure going here. They basically um, said the case was moot because in response to the Supreme Court even granting review to consider hearing it, the city of New York and the state of New York both frantically changed their laws so as to try to preclude the court from hearing this in the first instance. <laughs> uh, no, that's, that's literally what happened here. And the chief justice and Brett Kavanaugh, unfortunately, uh, basically let them off the hook. Uh, just, just as Alito writes a 31-page blistering dissent saying this case is not moot, there are still a lot of live issues here. Um, and then obviously we get, you know, the Second Amendment merits is what's really lurking in the background here because the lower courts have just made a total hash of the Second Amendment's jurisprudence ever since the court finally in 2008 for the first time in the country's history said that the Second Amendment means what it actually says and that it actually does secure an individual right to keep and bear arms. So we need to get the we need to get a Second Amendment case up to the court soon. The lower courts are destroying our rights on the Second Amendment day in and day out. But apparently a 6-3 majority said that this was not the case to do so. I, you know, and I laughed at the at the tactic because it's a funny tactic, right? Like to, to basically say, oh, crap, we're going to lose this to the Supreme Court. Just cancel the law. I mean, that that, that to me does not uh, it, it shouldn't make it so that the Supreme Court can't rule on it because it just means another state's going to try something similar. And then if they get up to the end and they think they're going to lose, they can cancel it and we can't rule on it again. There has to at some point be an end to this where the people's rights get taken away over and over again in between rulings. Yeah, no, it's utterly comical. Um, and, you know, the Supreme Court has done this numerous times now since that 2010 case I mentioned, McDonald versus City of Chicago. They've repeatedly denied um, what in Supreme Court terms is called a writ of certiorari. They've repeatedly refused to hear Second Amendment cases. There was the Peruta case, which was a, a I think it was a concealed carry case, if I recall, out of Southern California that they refused to hear. And each time Justice Thomas, oftentimes joined by Justice Alito and now by Justice Gorsuch, has quite vociferously and loudly dissented. And he has accused the Supreme Court and the lower courts by extension of treating the Second Amendment as a, quote, second-class right. That's what Justice Thomas always accuses his colleagues of treating it as. And it just, it's just so deeply unfortunate. You know, Justice Joseph Story, one of the great jurists in American history in the early half of the 19th century, he, he, he wrote a great constitutional law treatise that is still cited to this day in the 1830s, where he, where he referred to the Second Amendment, our right to keep and bear arms, as the, quote, palladium of our liberties. It was viewed as the indispensable guarantor of the rest of our liberties um, by Daniel Webster, uh, obviously James Madison, Thomas Jefferson wrote, quote, they, they wrote about it quite profoundly. But the court has just utterly ignored it ever since um, declaring it finally a constitutional right uh, for the first time in 2008. But we need, a, we need a case to get there, Stu. It's getting out of hand right now. Yeah, let's talk about Kavanaugh a little bit. Because, I mean, Gorsuch, I, you know, I really like Gorsuch. I have, you know, I think this was a great pick. He was actually one of my favorites on the list, and the list was good. Uh, Kavanaugh was not on that list. Uh, he winds up getting uh, named after the president becomes uh, president. Um, and, I, you know, I've had my questions with Kavanaugh. He does seem to uh, hint to being open to a Second Amendment uh, case coming soon. Uh, in in the ruling, but you know, I I I can't help but be disappointed here. Am, am I reading that right? 
Yeah, you're reading completely right. I, in my instant Twitter reaction, I think I called Kavanaugh's two-paragraph concurrence weaselly was the term I used. Uh, the Wall Street Journal editorial chimed Right. Yeah, the Wall Street Journal editorial chimed in with an editorial today where they referred to it as, quote, too clever by half. So yeah, that's right. I mean, he, he could have easily... The, the ruling place that actually only takes four justices to grant a writ of certiorari. So if Kavanaugh had chosen to, he could have been the, the deciding vote to actually get this course or this case to the court. I think tactically what he was trying to do was provide cover to Roberts. Um, I'm not really sure that I have a firm reason for believing that, just kind of my instinct and what I'm reading yeah. here. Yeah. But we should be disappointed. And what's interesting is that going back to the sweepstakes for the Anthony Kennedy seat that Brett Kavanaugh obviously ultimately won those sweepstakes, D.C. insiders were, were saying left and right that the NRA was saying pretty ex explicitly in White House circles that Kavanaugh was their guy. That Kavanaugh was like allegedly the NRA pick. Mm. Um, and he yeah. has some Second Amendment history. He's, he's written on this subject on the D.C. circuit. So I'm cautiously optimistic that if the case gets there, he'll rule the correct way on the merits. But uh, not siding with Alito here to actually hear this case in the first place does strike me as cowardly. Uh, give me 30 seconds, if you can, on Roberts. I mean, is this just a lost cause? I feel like he's on the wrong side of all these big decisions. Uh, yeah, you know, the chief is just a total en enigma. Um, he, the Wall Street Journal and their, and their editorial against that at best. Uh, the problem with Roberts is that he, he allows himself to get so bogged down in caring about the perceived institutional integrity of the Supreme Court that he forgets what his job is in the first instance. His job is to take support the oath that he pledged to support the Constitution of the United States. But he is so easily manipulated by outside perspectives and the media and all this pressure. He, he, he's something closely approximating a lost cause. Every so often he has a good opinion. Uh, Trump versus Hawaii, the travel ban case comes to mind. But on most of these high profile hot button issues, he's oftentimes nowadays on the wrong side. All right, Josh Hammer is in Texas. I want to come back and talk a little bit about life in Texas here coming up this weekend. We'll be back in just a second. We're back uh, with uh, Josh Hammer uh, here, both of us in Texas, social distance as you are uh, in another part of the area. I will tell you this, Josh, just moments ago, I went on open table and booked a reservation for an actual restaurant on Friday. I'm very excited to be living here in Texas. Let freedom ring, Stu. Freedom, free, free, free at last. We are free at last, right? No, it's funny. I was really talking, I had like the same conversation with my girlfriend earlier today. We were talking about where we're going to go out for dinner this Saturday or Sunday night or something, just to, just to celebrate getting out into the world. Um, it, it, it's remarkable that this is happening. It's something, it's a kind of story that I guess I look forward to telling. I'm not sure I look forward to telling, but I expect I will tell my grandkids one day that I hope, hopefully survived the great coronavirus scare of 2020. Um, but yeah, yeah, we need to eat. Uh, I need a haircut. Um, I just need all sorts of like basic like human functions right now. Yes, I did uh, stupidly uh, promise uh, Sarah Gonzalez that if I can get to 25,000 YouTube subscribers, she can cut my hair with a knockoff Floby on the air. Um, so I'm I'm actually rooting against new subscribers on YouTube right now. Um, but uh, it's interesting because I, the, the conservative media has been I think has had difficulty with this story um, because I support 
I think where we are. I think we, there was it was important to have some level of really like suppressing this and knocking out as it's really flaring up. I take it really seriously. I'm not a you know I wouldn't say I'm a COVID skeptic or anything like that. Um, on the other hand, we have to acknowledge that we're adults here and we have to make decisions about opening up this economy. This is not and never was intended to be a long term solution. I think Texas, some of these other states are taking the you know we're, we're just inching our nose out a little bit, seeing what's out there. And I think that's the right approach to do this slowly and carefully, but it has to happen, right? Absolutely. Now, I am deeply, deeply proud to be living in the state of Texas right now. I, I, I was like beaming with pride yesterday when Governor Abbott announced all this. Um, this is 100% the right thing to do. And Stu, my perspective on this all along has been very similar to what you just described. I, I, I quite conscientiously have actually avoided all the Twitter squabbles on this for the past month and a half because I find it just deeply perplexing and deeply frustrating. Um, I, I don't understand the people who are clamoring to open everything up tomorrow. I don't, and I don't understand the people who are saying shut everything down until a vaccine is ready a year to 18 months. Neither of those obviously is the correct solution here. The correct solution is something closely approximating what Texas is doing. Doing, which is go based off empiricism and use prudence and careful judgment. Don't overstep, but also don't understep. We can't, this is beyond unsustainable for a long term. You know, if, a, a little over a month ago, I remember, I remember saying that I expect there to be violence and rioting in the streets by the end of April. And, you know, we're at the end of April, and I have to say I'm very happy that more of that is not happening, that I, my prediction was wrong. But you have to think that if this continues into the middle of the summer, it's going to get ugly out there. I mean, like we're looking already, obviously, at beyond horrifying unemployment metrics, Great Depression era economic statistics are looming. Um, we've got to get this thing up and running. It just has to happen. So I, I am a very, very proud Texan right now, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, me too. Uh, and I, you know, we've got about a minute left here. Uh, let me just see if I can get through this quickly. I, I, I think there is a uh, there's an element of kind of the conservative response to this, which is we our rights can't be trampled on totally like the legitimate, correct response. Um, But I feel like what's being associated that more and more um, is this idea that basically this has all been kind of a scam, right? Like this, this idea that the, you know, that, that the 60,000 people almost aren't actually dead and it, what it didn't do any difference, all this lockdown, it didn't cut the amount of, of deaths. And I feel like there's a smart position for conservatives to be the, the correct ones when everyone wants to get out and, and do something. They all feel like they want to. But we, some of that ground, I feel like, is being seeded because we're just saying, uh, you know, so many people are just saying like, ah, this was nothing. It was a scam the whole time. And we should have just been out there and, and left the thing open and nothing would have happened. I, I feel like there's a disconnect there that's not it's not going to be easily solved for conservatives. No, I think that's fair. And, you know, I was texting with a friend this morning. I think what we're seeing is. There's a lot of longstanding conservative skepticism of the extent to which science, in this case, by extension, medical science, has been corrupted by leftism. And a lot of that skepticism, I think, is quite justified, by the way. Uh, I am not looking down upon that at all. Mm -hmm. Um, The the degree to which, yeah, the the degree to which radical environmentalists purport to speak on behalf of science uh, with a trademark sign attached to it. That's just not how the real world operates. And I, for one, am skeptical of that. And I think that's happening a lot. But at the same time, we can't just wash away statistics, period. Again, there, yeah. This, yeah. Call, this calls for empiricism and prudence and a case-by-case assessment. Josh, thanks so much. I appreciate it. We're going to be uh, back in a second. Follow Josh on Twitter. Do it. Do it now.
Oh, the classic learning test is there. Uh, you know, you want to talk about something that's better than the alternatives, the classic learning test. The SAT, the ACT, they've been canceled because of all this stuff going on. The CLT has tripled its testing dates. If you have someone in your family who's looking uh, to go to college, if it's you, look at the CLT. Make sure you understand it. Do your research on this because it, it's available to you at home. You can do this at home. You don't have to worry about it. It was kind of initially designed for rural communities. It's there now for you. Register for the June 20th official college entrance exam or other upcoming tests. Visit cltexam.com. Both exams can be taken from the comfort of your home. It's cltexam.com, cltexam.com. My wife fully hates this idea, but I mean, look, the hair is getting shaggy at this point. Look at this. This This is where we are. I told Sarah Gonzalez she could cut it with my knockoff Floby on the air. If we can get to 35,000 subscribers, or no, 55,000 subscribers on YouTube, go, go, go to YouTube now, pass the word around, and see if it happens.